Welcome to the Lead Me On podcast, where we give you practical solutions for extraordinary leadership. My name is Lori King-Taylor, and I'm here with my co-host, Lori Gorell. For more than 25 years, we've been educating and coaching individuals who want to transform the way they lead. Join us each week as we provide inspiring conversations to help you increase your capability to lead with greater impact and influence. Get ready. It's time to lead me on. Hello, Lori Gorell. Hello, Lori King-Taylor. How are you today? I am doing wonderful today. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. Thank you. Of course you are. You are always fantastic. I have had some of the most amazing sunrise views from my office, which yes, means I've been in my office a little bit early lately, but that it has just been incredible. And one day it was snow covered and the sunrise was orange and dark blue and black. It was, this is amazing combination. So yeah. Oh, that sounds lovely. I'm fantastic. Well, good. I'm glad. And you know, Today's topic I'm really excited about, and you always seem to emulate the topic of today, which is optimism. And you always look for and always seem to be very optimistic because you're always fantastic (laughs) when I talk to you. (laughs) And I know every day is not fantastic. (laughs) And yet it it can be. There might be non-fantastic moments. And yet it can still be a fantastic day. I love that. that. Today's podcast titled, you know, is optimism too squishy feely to talk about. And, you know, I felt myself like squirm a little bit when you're like, and you're always so optimistic. And I'm like, oh my gosh, people are going to think I'm Pollyanna, but that's not not what it is. No, it's not. So I I, want to make sure that we're setting the record straight that optimism isn't about being squishy feely. So I'll kick off the definition is, and it's the simple one. It's the ability to remain positive, hopeful, and resilient. I love that word. Despite setbacks, which literally is the opposite of pessimism, right? Right. And we're all always going to have those setbacks in life. And it's, it's, how you handle those setbacks that really help keep you an optimistic individual. Right. And it's, it's not about believing that things are going to turn out for the best, no matter what that would be ignoring or misusing the reality testing that you and I have talked about. And it's not pep talks. It's not squishy, as I mentioned, but there are so many good things that it is that that's why we're going to set the record straight. Yeah. So optimism is about being able to stop the self-destructive, the negative self-talk that we go to, that constant sabotaging of yourself. It's the monkey mind, the Amy that's always in there. You know, of of course, their survival mode and they're telling you all of the, the negative things because we're programmed for negative bias. And it's being able to stop that. It's being able to say, no, Amy, not today. I am going to view this in a more realistic manner. I am going to look at it for what it is. And optimism is about a balance of being realistic and yet hopeful at the same time. 
You know, it's making sure that we can find what there is to learn, because as we say, there are going to be blips, there's going to be difficult moments. It's not all sunshine and rainbows, but it is also an opportunity to say out of all of that, what is there to learn? What is my takeaway? And having gratitude for a lesson learned or knowledge gained goes a long way towards optimism. It does. And I talk to my clients all the time. And the word that I use with them is failing forward. So we are going to have things in our life. We're going to have screw ups. We're going to have mess ups. We're going to have things that just didn't go right. And we're going to view them as failures. But how do we fail forward? And failing forward means what am I learning from this? If we tried something for our business and it didn't work and it cost us, you know, Let's say it cost us a million five because that just didn't go right. Okay, great. It didn't go right. So what did we learn from it? And that's the optimism. That's being realistic. Hey, this didn't go well. We just lost $1.5 million. But what do we learn from it? And how can we be hopeful in, okay, we can try this again. But this time when we do it, we're not going to do X, Y, and Z because that didn't work. So we've learned from it. Now we know what not to do. Pretty sure on a 1.5 lesson learned, it's going to (laughs) stick. Whatever that lesson was, I'm probably going to remember it. It depends on the company. So, you know, in my husband's line of work, he's working with billions So (laughs) 1.5 is like, oh, well, that's just a no brain. You know, that's, that's like pennies to you. (laughs) When he talks about some of their, you know, he worked for NASA for 32 years, you blow something up, you know, that's billions of dollars you've just blown up. But yeah, for you and I, in our business, if we lost 1.5, you know, we would probably uh, have to really learn that lesson and have it stick with Yep, us. yep. I'd have to say that it would be a worthy lesson to learn. And since this is the opposite of pessimism, let's just do the, the shout out for what does pessimism look like? I would say the signs of pessimism And I would say one that I see, and this is a bit of a double-edged one, but it's pessimists blame their own ineffectiveness, and then some pessimists blame other people. So say something something bad happens, that 1.5 disaster happens. Some pessimists are going to be really down on themselves. I'm awful. Put the L on my forehead, you know, and they're really going to take it on themselves and express pessimism that way. There's the other way that people show up in pessimism and it's like, look what you did. Look at this lesson we had to learn because of you Mm -hmm. or because of your department. You know, this is your screw up and I'm a victim. So there's a couple different ways, but one is that internal pessimism and one is that very external. I'm going to blame other people for the failures. Yeah. And I think with pessimists too, they often don't reality test or see a different outcome in it. And we get to this point where it's, we use the words like always and never. Yeah. We make it very solid. We do. You always screw up. So like what you were talking about, when we blame other people, you always screw up. You always mess. Well, reality testing is, do they always Right. Well, if they do, maybe you need to get somebody else in that position. 
that still comes back on you as the leader because you've, you've got the wrong person on the bus. Or I always, whenever it comes to this, I always screw up or I never hire the right people or I never. You can never reality, do it right. Right. Yeah. The no, reality is looking at the situation. Is it an always or never? Chances are no. Chances are no. So it's, it, yeah, pessimists typically don't do that reality testing check right. in. I would say there are some signs for pessimistic thinking. And some words I think of are when people are perpetually angry, right? They, they always seem to carry a sense of anger around or whenever they're expressing them themselves. I have um, somebody that has been doing some work at my house and, and he's very busy. His business is very busy. And whenever he talks about it, like, I'm sorry, I didn't get to your stuff sooner, but he'll start almost being angry about how busy he is. And isn't that what you want in a business? Yeah. Yeah. And these are some of the traits that you watch for in other people to identify pessimism, but also watching for yourself. How do you express yourself? You know, there's hopelessness too, you know, and we might experience it ourselves. We'll have periods of hopelessness. The more pessimistic person is going to stay there. They're, they're going to roll around in that more often. And I would say the resilient optimist if they have times of hopelessness, they tend to bounce out of it a little quicker. Yeah. And, and to go along with that hopelessness is the helplessness that they always feel like they can't change the situation. The situation is what it is. They have no control over the situation. They are, they're the victim. They're totally helpless in this situation. Right. One of the, I think the tricky ones that I see and and it's one that I find a little bit painful to witness is when there is passive aggressive behavior. Mm -hmm. And that is typically from a more pessimistic, less optimistic person. And their little jabs and digs and are, can be very spiteful and hurtful, not on that optimistic side. So just, you know, throwing some of these out there, are there any more that, that you can think of? Well, I think when people are always going to the worst case scenario, they tend to be more pessimistic. And I, I have a client that I've been coaching with and I gave him the, the EQI assessment and he scored very low in optimism. I mean, off the charts, low in optimism. And it affected a couple of other things on his score. And I was really concerned, you know, when we went into this conversation with him, but his view is if I always think the worst, if I always look for the worst case scenario, I'm not going to be disappointed. Wow. That that's my first word that comes, comes to mind is heavy. That's very wow. heavy. And I'm thinking, wow, if I were on his team, that would feel very heavy. Exactly. And that's what we talked about as a leader, you know, you're bringing this dark cloud constantly over your organization instead of he's, and, and it comes back to when we were talking about optimism, the rose colored glasses. Well, I'm not walking around with rose colored glasses. We're not looking for you to walk around with rose colored glasses. There's a difference between that flexible optimism, that real realistic optimism and the blind optimism. You know, blind optimism is those rose colored glasses or the Pollyanna or you're in denial, but you can still be realistic and be optimistic at the same time. 
Yes. And that's exactly the point that set the record straight moment for today's episode, because if somebody is labeled optimistic, I think so often they're labeled naive yes, or out of touch or Pollyanna. And that's just not it. So you are, what you just said is perfect. It's that realistic, flexible optimism, not blind optimism, a plus point. So, and think about if we were all pessimistic individuals, what would get accomplished? You know, again, I, I mentioned my husband's worked for NASA for 32 years. Well, would we have ever put man on the moon? Would we have ever landed curiosity on Mars if we were constantly pessimistic? Because I mean, come on, that's a far stretched reach. Like, right. I mean, it was once upon a time now that we've done it. It's like, oh yeah, that's a no brainer. We can do that. But just think about back in the John F. Kennedy days when he said, we're going to the moon and the pessimistic people look at the moon and go, yeah, that's never going to happen. So if you have grand plans, you know, grand ideas of things you want to accomplish going to the moon in the 1960s, you have to have a bit of that realistic optimism that, you know, if we do things right, if we do the math the right way, and if we build things the right way, and if we look at the science, we can get there. It's going to, it might be a struggle and we're going to fail along the way. And we're going to learn from those failures, but it is something that we can do instead of that constant, well, that'll never happen. And I I was thinking when you said, imagine if we were all pessimistic people and I just, you know, could, I visualized a, a bunch of people just chasing their tail and going in circles and never coming out of, of that because they're always going to find what's wrong or they're going to sabotage every thought they had or that their teammates had They're they're going to throw water on it. So yeah, I I like how you, you phrase that. And nor can we have everyone being blindly optimistic because then people would have died. Right. And if the reality testing wasn't done, if we didn't take all the steps, so you have to have the optimism, but you can't be blind about it. So this middle place of realistic, flexible optimism is that sweet spot. It is. It is. It's looking at, okay, even if it's a stretch, can this be accomplished? You know, there are some things that can never be accomplished, right? I'm having a hard time coming up for an example because the example that came through my head, I was like, well, that's been disproven recently. (laughs) So there's very few things that we can't accomplish in life. And it's, is it realistic for this organization to, okay, I cannot go out and build a rocket. That is just unrealistic for me. I don't have the money. I don't have the brain power. I don't have the, you know, I can't do that. So let's leave that to the people that can do it. But most of what we want to accomplish in life, if you work smart enough, we can get there. And, and I think that it's going to, for people who tend to be pessimistic and they call themselves, they're realist. realist. Yeah. This is my client is I'm just real. I'm just a realist. I'm just, I'm just telling. I've had people tell me that. Well, we get what we focus on. We've talked about this a lot in our podcast about how you wire your brain. Well, when you wire your brain with negativity, then that's the direction your brain is always going to go. 
most pessimists have been pessimists most of their life. They were taught that, you know, probably growing up or they had experiences early in adulthood or something that has programmed their brain to be pessimistic. And the more you think negative thoughts, the more you're going to think negative thoughts. So there's a whole rewiring that has to go on. And it's the same for people who are very optimistic. They've wired their brains to look for the positive, to look for the good in things. And, you know, pessimists get what they focus on. Optimists get what they focus on, right? And it's yeah. imagine. <laughs> and it's like this hmm moment where it's like, well, that seems like an easy choice to make, but there is that rewiring to do. It's not going to be easy for everyone to flip that switch. It takes a lot of know-how. Willpower is not the right word, but support and self-awareness and continuous practice at reality testing and flipping things around to see how else can I view this? Where can I find the good out of this? How can it make me more resilient to learn from this? So, you know, I preach the journal (laughs) writing things down and you know, it was going to have to come up. I knew the journal was coming. So if you think about when you find yourself, that self-awareness, when you find yourself being pessimist, looking at the negative, focusing on it's not going to work is to sit down and write out, okay, let's just play a game. What if sit down and journal through that you find yourself. Okay. So why? Are you being pessimistic? And then turning that activity around and looking at, well, what could happen? What are the positives that could come from this? And then what are the steps that I need to go through in order to reach that? And like you said, you're going to have to do it a thousand times before you're able to rewire your brain to where it becomes automatic that you look for the bright spot the learning, what I learned from this, how I can move forward and and how this can be a positive, but that journal, you know, sitting down and writing and thinking is something that needs to become a part of your everyday. That requires a pretty self-aware person to know that they're being a pessimist. It does. And because I would say most people who operate in that space, unless they're called out on it, are not necessarily going to realize it. Now, someone who has already done this work is more easily able to identify, ugh, this feels awful. And they're, oh, right. They can have that aha moment and say, okay, now I need to dissect this a bit. So for, I'd say for people to build that self-awareness, and say, am I being a pessimist? There's some, I would say some signs to look for. Are you an optimist or a pessimist? So do people say you complain a lot would be one self-test to Mm -hmm. raise your awareness. You know, are you getting that feedback or even the belief? Do you have a positive attitude or are you that person that's like, no, I'm a realist and I'm going to be looking for everything that could go wrong so that I don't have any surprises. Yeah. And, and I do want to put a a point there that it is okay to look for everything that could go wrong, because if you're aware of what could go wrong, you could hedge it off to possibly keep it from happening in the future, but it's knowing what could go wrong and we can overcome it. Yeah. That they see the other side, that there's another side to come out of. 
And we mentioned some signs of pessimistic thinking earlier that they blame other people. They don't do very much reality testing. Um, they tend to care angriness, hopelessness, maybe some passive aggressiveness. We could even probably throw guilt in there and guilt for ourselves and guilting others. Those would be signs that perhaps you're on that pessimistic side, right? And if you are still unsure when you kind of go through that exercise, ask, ask people that you trust and give people permission. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. That's a really big ask of people. So you have to make it safe that you really do want that feedback. And we've talked about that again, a lot through podcasts. Our podcast is that feedback is so important from other people and you do have to give them permission to tell you the truth. So find people that you trust and people that you know will tell you the truth. And, you know, your spouse might be a good one to start with, but people. Well, he work- tells me without asking. I don't have to ask. <laughs> <laughs> he helps me with my self-awareness very readily. <laughs> and I'm sure a lot of folks on the other end of uh, this podcast are thinking, oh, yeah, I'm not asking my spouse that. <laughs> But ask people, and you may hear if you ask your team, well, yeah, you, you're, you're a realist. So they may use words that we've, we've mentioned like realist. When you ask them, do I tend to do, do I complain? Well, you're not complaining. You're just telling us how it is. Or, well, you're not pessimistic. You're just a realist. So when they're trying to give you information but they're using some of these words that should be a trigger that, okay, maybe I am falling on more of a yeah. pessimist. So it's not yeah. taking those words as validation that it's okay. Right. It's recognize that it's them trying to not be brutal. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cause your, your team knows and they can give you some really good feedback. And that's it. Our teams, there are pros and cons to being overly optimistic and as well as pessimistic. And it can impact not just the morale or the engagement in our organizations, but also the bottom line. And that can go both ways, right? Blind optimism can impact the bottom line as well as the severely pessimistic person. And both can impact engagement, right? You might think that that blindly optimistic person is really going to rally the troops. Not so much, especially when you have people who are very logic and fact-driven, they aren't necessarily going to follow that blindly optimistic person. They're not going to think that they are in touch. So yeah, there are business accusations on both ends. Well, and, and when you are in, let's say you're in a team meeting and you guys are brainstorming and talking through things and you're very programmed to look for what could go wrong, which I, again, think is very important to look for what can go wrong. Because again, if you're aware of it, how can we keep this from happening as you're having that team meeting is to ask the question, but what if it doesn't go wrong? You know, what if we could succeed? What would that look like? And just do some of that brainstorming with your team that says, but what would it look like if we could accomplish this? And it, you know, kind of pushes you out of that negative looking for all that could go wrong and focuses you on 
being more optimistic about, you know, this might actually work. We might actually could put a man on the moon. I was just with a client this morning and she had some significant complaints that she was sharing and they, they weren't particularly reality tested complaints. And I said, but, but what if this could look different? What would it look like? And it stopped her for a moment. And, and then she came up with a few things. And because our brains are wired for negativity bias, she had slipped back into the complaint thing. And I'm like, but what of the, what it could be, do you have control over influence over to make it different mm-hmm. than, than where you're seeing it right now? So if you're helping somebody on your team come out of the pessimism, keep gently bringing them back into yes. what could be. And what, and it comes to, to what you have control over. And I think pessimistic, and we've talked about pessimistic people tend to be that hopeless that they don't have control of it, but we have so much more control over things than we give ourselves and our teams credit for. Sometimes we just have to break it down into the, to the smaller steps so we can pinpoint where that control is. Exactly. And if you don't have the control where can you get it? Who, who has it? Where can you have influence over that? Yeah. The influence is that next step. It is. And we have more influence than we really think that we do. And an optimistic person kind of goes in with that kind of attitude. I can, I can control this, or I can, I can do this, or I have influence over people who can do this, even if I can't. So are we ready for the practical solutions for extraordinary leadership? I do believe that we are. And so for the first solution would be to track your less than optimistic thoughts for a week to see if there are any trends. And that goes back to that journal that I talked so passionately (laughs) about is write it down, you know, just kind of keep track of those things. Yeah. The second I would say is watch out for monkey mind or Amy that is telling you that your pessimism is the right answer. It's wired to do that. So instead of taking that at its word, do some reality testing to see if there are some other points of view. And then the third would be that trusted colleague or advisor, have them really be able to flag you when you're suffering signs of pessimism. But also, if you tend to be that blindly optimistic person, because remember, we don't want to wear the rose-colored glasses, but somebody that can give you a heads up when you're falling on either side. Well, I am thoroughly optimistic that we have shared some good information today. Thank you, Lori King-Taylor. Thank you, Lori Gurrell. And I'm very optimistic that next week's podcast is going to be just as good. Talk to you then. Thank you for listening to the show. If you enjoyed it, we would so appreciate a review on iTunes. And don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss a single episode. If you're interested in knowing more about our upcoming events or working with one of us personally to transform the way you lead, visit our websites. For Lori King-Taylor, visit trinityperformancesolutions.com. And for Lori Gorell, visit upwardsolutionscc.com. Until next week.